0: this week on Missions Today.
1: There are a couple unique things for us to think about with our work. I think I I live and work in Washington, D.C., so this example feels very close to home. But thinking through the lens of being an ambassador, you know, the U.S. sends ambassadors to represent the president and the interests of the U.S. to places all over the world, and ambassadors don't represent themselves, they represent the interests of the mother. And so wherever our work takes us, again, whether that's changing a diaper in the home or in the C-suite of a Fortune 500 company, we should think through the lens of everything I do and say, every word I speak and write is saying something about the
0: God we serve. Representing Christ through the work we do every day, no matter where He has us. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. Living out our faith in the workplace, integrating our faith and work, it's something we talk about here often on Missions Today. And on today's episode, we're going to hear more from Chelsea Sobelich an author and director of government relations for a not-for-profit who knows firsthand that the work carried out as a female employee is often different and at times more challenging than many understand. Women, work, and mission. That's the topic this week on Missions Today. Chelsea, thanks so much for being with us. You've actually written a book about some of your experiences. Why don't you take a minute and tell us about that?
1: So I really wrote the book I wish I'd had. Um, I share the story in the book, but I was working on Capitol Hill at the time for a member of Congress, whom at the time I had a lot of respect for and was handling a policy portfolio that I loved. I mean, it, it really was my, my dream job in a lot of ways. And uh, to make a, a Long story short, he ended up resigning in the middle of his term in the middle of the Me Too movement because of sexual misconduct. And I was three months into marriage. My first book had just come out and I was—I had lost my job because of something I didn't do when a member of Congress leaves in the middle of their term this day lose their job. And so I did what I've done in other difficult situations in life. I went into the stores of my local bookstore to buy some books on Christian women in work. And at the time there were hardly any, and none of those at the time really um, addressed some of the more difficult conversations around being a Christian woman in the workplace. So I instead bought almost every book I could find on work, calling, vocation, and then did my own research on what scripture says on women who work. And, and then again, wrote, wrote the book I wish I'd had at that time, but I really, my, my prayer for this book is that it really serves as a companion to other women who are thinking through unique challenges and opportunities that women face in the workplace.
0: Well, maybe a good place to start as we begin to dive into this conversation, and I would do it whether we were discussing men or women or just the idea of integrating faith and in work or the value of work in general, Is that concept, the biblical concept of the value uh, and worth of work, I know that's kind of at the foundation of how you built this book. Talk for a moment about what you learned that the Bible says about the value of work.
1: Scripture has a lot to say on work. And I think one of my favorite things, researching and and really exploring this, this topic, is work predates the fall. On the very first page of Scripture, we see God at work, creating the world with his words, and he declared his work to be good. We know that he creates Adam and Eve, and this part's really important, and I want to hone in on this part particularly. He gave both Adam and Eve the creation mandate, which is the, the charge to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth subdue the earth and cultivate the earth. And I think it can be a temptation to think he just gave part of it to Adam and part of it to Eve, but he gave the creation mandate to both of them. So in Genesis, we see that both men and women are commanded to subdue and exercise dominion over the earth. Work is one of the ways through which we image God. God worked, he called humanity to work. But I think it's really important for Christians to understand work was originally a good for humanity. And I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I feel implications of sin on my work every single day. I think all of us do because sin marred everything. But the good news of scripture is that sin does not have the final word. The gospel changes everything. And the gospel means that God is redeeming all things to himself, including our work. And so we are now free to work from a radically different perspective than people who don't know the Lord, because we know that our work not only matters today, it's one of the ways through which we love our neighbor, our work also has eternal implications. So I I think, again, scripture is far from silent, but I think understanding that it was originally a good, predates the fall and kind of bookending um, God's redeeming everything to himself, including our work.
0: Yeah, such a key way to view work. So many people look at it in such a negative way, and I've had plenty of reasons to do it, as you've just mentioned as well, (laughs) Yes. but understanding that it was there before the fall, it wasn't just the result of sin. There were good implications to it, and then the redemptive nature of it too. That's where I wanna go next. Talk for a moment about that idea of redemptive work. What does that really mean to a follower of Christ?
1: So after, my, um, I, after I left Capitol Hill, I was working um, in a job I did not enjoy um, at all. And I really started to think, does God care about my professional life? How do I honor the, the Lord in a job I'm, I'm not thrilled about? And I think undergirding a lot of those questions I was wrestling with is how does God redeem work? Of course, we know he's ultimately on the final day gonna redeem all things to himself, but here and now, how does God redeem our work now? And I think when we view our entire lives, to steal a phrase from Eugene Peterson, as that long obedience in the same direction, faithfully co-laboring with Christ, we can reorient our perspective. And there's two pillars that I've found that God uses to redeem work. Number one, the term that is used in Genesis 2 for work was actually a Hebrew word that means work, worship, and service. And so God's original design and desire for our work is that it would be one of the seamless ways in our days that we worship Him. And we can do this even now, post-fall. We can use our work and view our work as a way to worship God. And the second pillar that I think God redeems work by is us viewing it and engaging in work as a way to love our neighbor. Martin Luther once said that God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. And so work is one of the ways through which we love our neighbor. And I want to put a pin in this and, and say one thing first. The majority of us spend the majority of our lives working, even if we're not working for a paycheck. So The woman who is raising little people in the home is working very hard in her days, or someone who's caring for aging parents or volunteering in the community. Um, Work looks a lot of different ways. I think we can kind of traditionally think of it as a more traditional workplace, but there's so many different ways through which we work. And so viewing our work as a way to love our neighbor And there's some work that it's kind of easy to make that connection. And then there's other types of work where maybe someone's stocking the shelves of Walmart and thinking, how on earth does this help my neighbor to flourish? And I talk in the book of, I wrote several chapters of the book in a coffee shop. And for me to be sitting there in that chair on my computer, drinking a cup of coffee, the amount of people around the globe that had to be proficient and excellent at their skill set. To be able to enable me to do my work then is astounding. I mean, I could never design the Apple computer I was working on, but... There are people who are very gifted in that that could. So really thinking through how does the, the work of my days help my neighbor to flourish, I think is a really helpful question for us to think about.
0: People tuning in who are hearing us not talking about missions per se today, it is a topic we deal with regularly here on Missions Today, which is this integration of faith and work and the importance of faith in our lives as it relates to our work and the importance of work in our lives as it relates to our faith you know, most of us, I think you kind of alluded to this, but most of us across the globe who are Christ followers are not going to be during our lives engaged in ministry per se. We're not going to be a missionaries. We're not going to be on the mission field per se, but most of us have opportunities to live out our faith, to live out our calling, to live out our mission right there in the workplace. And men and women have been doing that since the beginning of time, as you've described. Let's talk a little bit about women in the workplace. I know that you spent some time kind of looking at the impact of women in the workplace for the last, say, century. Talk a bit about what you discovered as you looked at women in the workplace.
1: Really from the beginning of time, women have had a vital role on the flourishing of their families, their communities, and really the kingdom of God. But the leadership of women um, has impacted culture, society, and the spread of the gospel. And one of the major shifts, we could have an entire conversation on this, but work has not looked the same since the Garden of Eden. Um, and one of the biggest shifts in the past couple hundred years is really the industrial revolution and the invention of the internet. Those two things, I mean, revolutionized the world in, in huge ways. But to, just to run through some of the women who have had, you know, some... Some of us might know these women's names, other of us, they might be new, but Susan B. Anthony was a leader in the abolition of slavery and the right for women to own property and vote. Lottie Moon was the first single missionary sent by Southern Baptists. Amy Coney Barrett is a brilliant Supreme Court um, justice, a mother of seven children, including several who joined their family through adoption. Amy Carmichael went to India as a missionary in her 20s. And not only shared the good news of the gospel, but helped care for hundreds and thousands of Indian girls from being temple prostitutes. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. But I think the important thing is we have pictures of Christian women, obviously secular women, too, who are leading. But... Us today, you know, we're recording this at the beginning of 2024. Women working today are working in a particular time in history, in a particular place, alongside particular people. So I think it's really important for us to think through: okay, work may have looked different in the 1920s than it does in 2024. But each of us, and I think one of the things that we often look for is prescriptions: tell me, should I stay home or should I go back? work should i get a grad degree or if i want to get married do i just i, I think we want these prescriptions of someone almost to tell us what to do and scripture doesn't offer us that scripture offers us wisdom and each one of us need to seek wisdom in wrestling through some of these complex things one of the promises of scripture is god will give us wisdom if we ask for it and so you know, I don't offer a woman. I don't say a woman should only stay home or a woman should always go back. I, I don't say those types of things in the book because I want to give women some some frameworks to think through some of these topics, but also the flexibility and freedom to follow the Holy Spirit as He's leading in those those decisions.
0: Let's talk for a moment about your story. You 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 alluded to it a little earlier. The the challenges with what happened with your uh, congressperson, but you've shared in your book and you've shared many stories about how you yourself faced uh, what might be called discrimination or, you know, glass ceilings, different things like that in your workforce, which I think many men uh, most of the time can't identify with. Can you just share a, a couple of things that come to mind as you think about some of those challenges that you faced and then maybe how you began to, or how the Lord began to show you how to deal with, and process these things in your life?
1: So I have a whole chapter on gender and racial discrimination, and I include the voices of many other women who have different experiences than me to share multiple perspectives. But I think, you know, my story might be a little bit more dramatic than other women who might face maybe more micro forms of discrimination in the workplace, but at the, the undergirding of Gender and racial discrimination is people not treating other humans with the dignity, worth, and value that they deserve and that God has imparted to them. So if anyone listening has experienced that, I want to be the first to say, I'm so sorry. It's always an assault on the Imago Day of every woman who experiences this. Scripture is explicitly clear that he created men and women with equal dignity, worth and value, and that God cares about us. So i would say that um i would also say if if you've experienced gender or racial discrimination it's illegal i would immediately go to go to your hr department but something that as i was really wrestling through you know i paid the price through my job loss of someone else's misuse of power and authority and really seeing you know both in the christian Christi- christianity seeing other pastors and and men who have not treated women as they ought to. But then, I mean, I've worked in the human rights space for a long time. You know, women in Afghanistan or women in different parts of the world who really are not treated as they ought to. Scripture is far from silent on this. And something that really was a comfort to me personally, but then I hope is a comfort to other women who might have experienced. Gender or racial discrimination. Jesus's treatment of women was completely countercultural. The Bible constantly speaks of God's value of women. We see the indispensable role that they played in redemptive history, um, and so really making the point that women are not an afterthought in Scripture or in the Kingdom of God, and understanding that you know. Men and women are going to mistreat each other. It's always wrong. We should always push push back against the darkness. Unfortunately, it is one of the 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 results of living in a sinful world, but Jesus was the perfect man, and he never mistreated women. He actually treated women in ways that were incredibly revolutionary and countercultural for for the time. And so I don't mean this to sound trite at all, but Holding the tension of we live in a sinful and fallen and broken world, we should push back against the darkness, while also holding on to our Savior, Jesus, gave us the perfect example of what manhood was, and that he never mistreated anyone, and ultimately, he will bring justice. So that was a, that was a lot there, but I, I want to encourage women who who may have experienced something that um, our our Savior never mistreated anyone, and he is the perfect example of what it means to be a man and fully God, and that that we can trust him in those, those difficult situations.
0: Uh, thanks for sharing that. The, just so important for us to understand and be aware of and, and be focused on as men in leadership positions, as men working alongside women in various roles. Or, or supervising women. We need to be very aware of that. Thank you for sharing that. And certainly Jesus is the perfect model for for how to deal with that. You talk about scripture sharing a better way to work. What do you mean by that?
1: Yes. Um, so as Christians, every part of our life, like I said earlier, can be worship, but there are a couple of unique things for us to think about with our work. I think I, I live and work in Washington, DC, so this example feels very close to home. But thinking through the lens of being an ambassador, you know, the US sends ambassadors to represent the president and the interests of the US to places all over the world. And ambassadors don't represent themselves, they represent the interests of another. And so wherever our work takes us, again, whether that's changing a diaper, in the home or in the c-suite of a Fortune Five Hundred company, we should think through the lens of everything I do and say, every word I speak and write, is saying something about the God we serve. And so really seeking to represent him well. And of, of course, we all feel at this all the time, and that's where Grace comes in. But I think we are called to to think through how is my behavior? The way I work, telling others something about who God is and what he is like. And then the second kind of lens through which I think Christians can can engage in is the, the act of stewardship. And again, just like ambassadorship, stewards take care of things that are not theirs. They're not ultimately in charge. And the same is so with our work. It's not ultimately our time that we're spending, our money. it's not ultimately ours it's all ultimately Christ and God's, and so that really does free us from from so much it frees us to have open hands when we're in jobs that we don't like or when we're in jobs that we absolutely love and we might cling to because it's our dream job it really does free us up and say my time is not my own and so When I'm at work, I'm going to do my job excellently, and I'm not going to goof off. I'm not going to run my mouth and gossip. Um, My money that this paycheck is giving me is not ultimately my own, so I'm going to seek to steward that well. My tongue is not ultimately my own, so I'm going to seek to steward the words that I speak and write well. So kind of those two, two frameworks of ambassadorship and stewardship, I think, really do help reframe Christians engaging in work and again this can be for a paycheck or not but I think it's really helpful for us to reframe how how and why we work
0: we've just got a couple of minutes left I'd like to get your thoughts on how you feel the church and the Christian community could better support women in their roles of work whether it be a mom at home and or a c-suite executive what kinds of ways can the church and the Christian community support these women
1: you know I think one of the things that really want to highlight for men and women is to regularly discuss what biblical womanhood actually is. And I have certainly heard in in different environments I've been in that a woman's highest calling is to be a wife and mother. And I really want to push back against that because motherhood and marriage are good God-designed roles, but God does not call every man or woman into those roles. And our single women and childless women have just as much value and worth in the kingdom of God and in our churches as those who are married and have children. And the second thing that you know, I want to push back against that particular phrasing is God does not call every woman into those roles for all of their life. I just finished Ellen Vaughn's biography of Elizabeth Elliot, And one of the things that really stood out to me is she was married to three different men in her life. For a season, she was called to be Jim Elliott's wife. That season ended. And so, you know, she was a widow and unmarried for a long time before she got married again. And so really, really talking about and honoring what biblical womanhood actually is and what our calling as women actually is, which is. Surprise, the same as as men the call that god gives to the christian is the call to the great commission and the great commitments. So those are a woman's highest calling and that's a man's highest calling to calling to glorify god love him and love our neighbor and so i think painting a broad picture of biblical womanhood and not speaking and again this is not to diminish at all i'm i am a wife and a mother that's not to diminish at all those roles but those roles are not meant to bear the weight of our calling our calling is much higher you know we might step into and out of roles but our calling never never changes and so i would really encourage churches and pastors and and others to really think through and pay a i mean be honest about what scripture says that biblical womanhood is
0: i know that you have some words of encouragement for women who are feeling unseen, who are feeling that they're in a job that doesn't matter or is not uh, worthy. Maybe just a couple of words of encouragement for ladies listening today who might be in that position.
1: I mean, I know this feeling so well. You know, you may have sent an email that no one reads or changed your 10th diaper of the day or washed (laughs) another load of laundry or whatever it is. You know, most of our days feel so achingly ordinary. Um, But You know, earlier I talked about all these women, we know their names, we know the impacts that they had on history. Um, The reality is there are millions and millions and millions of faithful, godly women who we will never, ever know their faces or their names, but they have lived faithful lives. They have loved their families and their communities well, and they've done work that matters in the kingdom of God. Um, And I think the important thing to know in those moments where we feel like anyone see or care about this, um, remembering that God God knows and God sees and God has promised to never leave, forsake or leave his children. And so in those moments where we just want to bang our head against a wall or we feel so lonely or underappreciated, all of this, remembering that God is present in those moments and knowing that um, our work really does matter for today um but our work also matters for eternity and so we are not left alone in those hard days those hard moments and we know that what we're doing here on earth will matter for eternity and so as we're changing another diaper or sweeping the floor or typing up an expense report whatever it is god's present with us in those moments and these achingly ordinary moments do have um do have implications for eternity, so I think that that holding on to those two things together um, has been a great comfort for me in those moments where I feel unseen, I feel, um, you know, like it doesn't matter, but um, our work does matter, and I want to encourage others that your work matters and God sees you wherever you are.
0: Oh, such an important message. Let me say it again: God loves you. Your work matters and He sees you wherever you are. And He has you there for a purpose. That is your current mission field. I so appreciate Chelsea being willing to share some really tough stories so that we as individuals and as the church can be more attuned to supporting women who are working. If you'd like to learn more about Chelsea or her book called To Cultivate, be sure to check out our links in today's podcast notes. Well, that's all the time we have for this week next week we're going to hear from a woman who joined her husband in trading in their american careers to go to a small forgotten area of africa to fight aids and other health issues you'll be amazed by their story you know it's so helpful to us as you subscribe to the podcast rate it leave a review on itunes every one of those things helps us subscribe Ring that little bell so you know about every new podcast episode, rate it, leave a review for each program on iTunes. And if you have feedback from me, I'd love to hear from you as well. See Lambert at missionstoday.com. See Lambert at missionstoday.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Missions Today Radio. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global. We'll see you here next week.